Welcome to Screen Watchers, episode 14, your game's cast for all multi-platform news, discussion, and otherwise, oftentimes, sometimes, erroneous banter. I am Joe DeClara. I'm joined by Ryan. Yo. David. Yo, yo. And Mike. Oh. I was hoping you'd give a third, like, yo, yo, yo. Two for Yo, yo, yo. We're here today. We finally got back from PAX a few days ago. Uh, yeah, PAX we went to East. fucking PAX. It was pretty good. I had a good time. I played a lot of video games at PAX East. I'm very excited to talk about video games today. However, unfortunately, there's something of a mutiny on my hands. Two out of the four people here are totally disinterested in video games. Untrue. They have no interest in video games. Untrue. Played a lot of Totally video games. true. Analog is much better. I will have a board game segment for the first time on... Uh, for the first time in my history of being on For the on first the time in my history of being on Screen Watchers. Hello, everybody. David, did you actually play video games? Yeah, I played a number of them. I went through the indie section, and I played some of the the bigger name games. I also played some a... of the bigger name games in the indie section. That's interesting. I yeah. haven't heard of that. I mean, there were clearly booths that had more, I guess, established developers, and I didn't think that a lot of them were particularly unique. One of the things that I'm going to talk about is that I think that at this point. A lot of the, uh, I guess, the genres are very sclerotic, and you have Victorian games, you have survival games, you have, like, gothic horror, and it just, everything looks the same. So, I was pretty disappointed, looking for some new things, but uh, didn't really see them. I found a lot of new things. I feel like you didn't get into the VR headsets. That's where the new stuff was. I tried multiple awesome VR demos. And there were, there were some crazy things. Joey, how much VR did you try? I didn't do a lot of VR because it was just so hard to get in on it. You know, only like two or three VR demos, really. Like everything that was hardcore VR, like the Oculus booth and PlayStation, everything PlayStation, was just completely booked by the time we got there. PlayStation VR, they were doing like, you know, scheduled appointments. By the time I got there at like 9.30 a.m. the second day, they were like, we're booked for the day. Right. Well, let's just off the bat talk about PAX in general. This is probably the most awesome place on the planet. It is my dream place. I would love to go there every single weekend. The problem with PAX problem is, that, is it's only there for one weekend. Well, that's a problem. The also, it is a line simulator. If you were in PAX, you have to make a choice. Do you want to do something new or wait for four hours online to try something big? This, so, your use of the word simulator is just co- constantly throws me off. Like, it's not a line. It is a line generator. It simulates it is just line. lines. It's not. It's just a line generator. There are lines at PAX. They're yeah, not simulations. The lines of are lines. absurd. They were hour-long lines for literally everything concessions bathroom really everything you want to do you're waiting for a long period of time i basically refused to engage in any line at all and really tried way more indie games like there were a few things i would have loved to try if i had more patience Mm -hmm. like i would have loved to play overwatch yeah we're gonna be able to play that in a two hour wait for that i would have loved to play lawbreakers yeah see i just saw lawbreakers i didn't actually know what it was there were a lot of big games you know kerner you did not like the, I guess, the corporatist vibe to PAX this year. Yeah, we live in a Geico overworld. (laughs) Yes, uh, uh, my friend Ryan here got a lot of Geico swag, and I felt like it was just very emblematic about how uh, geek culture and video games have been co-opted by uh, corporations. And, I mean, I've been to a few 
indie, uh, I guess, RPG conventions and uh, like Magic the Gathering tournaments and all that other stuff. And while everybody there is trying to hawk things at you and sell you stuff, it's just not the same as being blasted by advertisements 100% of the time. And I felt it was kind of disappointing. And that's just the way things are going to go. It's never going to go back. So uh, just the world that I have to live with. Got to find the next new hipster thing to... Uh, to, to think that's cool. Yeah, yeah to, to think that's cool. cool yeah. Got to find the next cool thing. I don't know if thing. I totally agree because PAX is pretty big, right? I was I spent most of my time in the indie mega booth. And so not a lot of advertising except for the games. And uh, But I will say there were some really egregious things. I remember, Ryan, your, your T-shirt... Geico t-shirt. Great t-shirt. Says, I'm up, now a huge Geico says, fan. Up, up, down. Sweat. It says on the bottom, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, call Geico. <laughs> the most disgusting advertisement. Pretty great. Pretty uh, great. But I I definitely understand that. I had never been to a PAX before. I haven't been to a lot of conventions before either. Uh, so I was excited to see the first party guys there. You know, the, off, there have been PAX, uh, PAX East and uh, PAX Primes even that they chose not to attend and now that's unthinkable in this like past two years uh so it's nice because they are bringing a lot of interesting stuff i guess like you know the random logitech like stand for a photo for logitech and like all the geico stuff is a little weird but i mean where i was didn't matter i was in the indie mega booth the whole time played like 10 15 games the first day and then did interviews for like the next day and spent a lot of time in lines doing demos and stuff. But I mean, I spent a lot of time around people who were just about getting their game out there. And it was way more interesting that way. Well, I think that the getting your game out aspect, that's fine. And I'm okay with Logitech uh, advertising their products. I'm okay with... Because they're a great company. They are a great company. Our and sponsors. we want to be sponsored by, by Logitech because they make uh, sweet gaming gear. I'm okay with the video game developers. I'm okay with the, uh, the actual game product companies. I am just not as okay with, with as we mentioned before, companies like Geico that really have no relevance, this community, just able to pay X amount of money and get, like, and co-op and the community. on our space. Yeah, know, they, they our, co-op like, the community. Yeah. And yeah, but they're injecting money into the community, too. Like, it was the Geico Hearthstone. Right, but then, obviously, there's got to be a balance, right? Like, how much until it's too much for you, you know? It's just... Kerner has less of it. Listen, I'm very excited for, for all of my games to have Geico skins inside <laughs> of them. I would pay slightly less if I could have played as a Geico character. Does anyone remember <laughs> on Mario. Mario Kart 8? I don't know if you guys played Mario Kart 8, the Mercedes car. It was the most disgusting That's looking thing. Like I all these like shoes that you drive around and like the wiggle and everything. And then a Mercedes wharf car. Yeah, but Mar- right, so Mario looks great in it. <laughs> yeah, he let's does talk look about sweet. some games. Let's talk about some games. So I tried... A lot of games. Don't remember any of the names of the ones. I we'll think. figure it out. Don't I'll worry. We have you, the almighty Google. Let's like get. Uh, get let's like get at least one game each. Way too many games to even keep track of. Ryan, what was one of the games that stood out to you? So week? I tried the shortest lines at PAX, for the biggest payoff mm. I found was the Gear VR demos that people were working on. Mm. So some of the booths had one mm. Oculus or one Vive, but they had multiple Gear VRs, and it's pretty impressive how well the s7 does with like a full 3d game world so one of the demos i tried that really stood out was this kind of more like an idea than a full fleshed out game but the idea is you're a guy where you can shoot like a rope out of your head 
and grab onto things and pull yourself towards them. Mm-hmm. So it's in VR. So it really kind of blew my mind because you could actually like you're you're flying around with this rope and you're grabbing onto different things and the motion tracking for your head is so good that you could like spin around and look at another object and grab onto it. And it really did feel like you were this Spider-Man. The, this is the gear the headset you said or the vibe. This was a gear. A gear. So yeah, yeah I thought the gear was, really was not as good for performance and like for for head tracking. So that's interesting. It was really good and you I really did feel like I was slinging around like Spider-Man. Mm. It was almost a Spider-Man simulator. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was really cool. And then the other game we played, um, Legend of Dungeon. Yes. The whole thing. We did a whole interview with them, and these two were really, really cool. Really cool interview. Yeah, yeah. They're did. very interesting. They're they're definitely characters. Very, very nice people. Very funny people. Uh, and as they claim themselves, very strange people. And it's true. And But they were very, very nice. They were very kind and gave us a, a good interview. They had released this game called Legend of Dungeon. It was like a party dungeon crawler 8-bit style game. And it was pretty simplistic, got like kind of lukewarm reviews, uh, but nothing too negative. Just uh, it wasn't really doing anything novel. Uh, But what they did was they took this game and they ported it to the Vive. So you're just wearing the headset, you have a standard controller, and you're actually playing the game, but the the map and the characters are all presented to you as like a little play set of characters and you could like inspect them and like look around, look under the thing. And it... so when I talk to people about this, I try to explain like, imagine playing Super Mario, but you can go under the world and look at where the pipes go. I, it didn't get that deep, but I mean, like, that, that would is be something cool. that would be completely that would possible. Be, that's yeah. Th- looking at this, you can think of things like that. This was not a game made for VR, but then they ported it to VR and now it opens up those possibilities. That's what's cool. What is cool that is specific to VR that they couldn't have done, you know, normally for a 2D game, you have like the screens, obviously, like you go far to the right and then eventually you have to either scroll over or you have to switch to a new screen where that new room is. The entire map is just laid out and you have to walk along the map as you follow your character. And it's just actually existing in that little space and walking along a game. It felt so very real. Right. One of the things that really stood out to me is the idea that unlike almost any other 2D game I've ever played, you could lose perspective of your character. Mm-hmm. He could basically go off of your screen. So you had Well, not your screen, out just out of your, right, your view because your he's view. behind a thing or he's too far away. You have to walk over and follow your character. And that's like a new thing for VR. Right. That is a totally new gameplay experience in general. And just the idea that this medium can handle full immersion to the point where I feel like I'm Spider-Man and actually got the feeling of flying through the air. The the medium of VR I'm talking about. Talking about a different game. This is the the game that I had played, right? Which game? Yeah. The Legend of Dungeon. I felt like the VR really added nothing to my experience of it. Mm. It was a game that could have just as easily been a 2D scroller or 2D like uh yeah it was like a it was a beat em up sort of thing like you can go up and down the the floor the but characters really it gave were you one two dimensional but you could have depth you could walk back and forth but you could do that like it was a so many basic beat em up games have that that's not a right. it's not a groundbreaking game regardless yeah. i i did not think that the vr added any necessary element and i would see that in real life i would the vr would be a burden to me because when i'm playing a game like that I don't need to be locked into a headset. I can 
I might want to look around. Like, <laughs> I don't have to be, like, fully immersed in this game world to enjoy it. That was an experience that you had that was just ported over, though. Like, even just seeing that for a moment, you could start to imagine an infinite number of crazy experiences that you could only experience in that. Headset. But that doesn't mean that that game was that experience. And this is another thing that I think is uh, is we're at the we're at the point in time now where, from what I see, the VR is almost there to where you would have a game that it's absolutely necessary to have the VR. And maybe some of the games that I I didn't try because the the lines were too long. I would have truly had that immersive experience, like a game that I'm sure we're going to talk about later, Blind. Mm -hmm. That game looks sweet, and it was entirely necessary to have the the VR headset to to be immersed in it. And aside from the controls, which I'm sure Joey will will talk more about, uh, I thought the game looked great, and it looked like it'd be very fun to play. But uh, I guess we'll talk about that game more yes. fully later on. Yes, well, we can talk about it now. So, like, Blind, uh, brought from Tiny Bull Studios uh, by a developer, uh, Mateo Lana. Uh, he showed us a game uh, they had running on the Oculus uh, with also the Oculus Touch controllers. Um, this game, Blind, as Kerner said, and essentially it is this game where you are a blind person and she, the woman uses, the woman who you play as, uses echolocation, quote-unquote, to see around her. So basically you pull the left trigger and then this pulse, this like white pulse goes out and outlines the area around you that eventually fades. And that's the metaphor for uh, the echolocation. And you have to solve puzzles and explore this house that you're in. Um, but what I found interesting and not sure how I felt about it was like how they chose to navigate the area. The touch controllers were very cool. Everything was based on the touch controllers, how to solve the puzzles. But... The way you had to traverse the house was very odd to me. Uh, I felt kind of sick when I did it. Uh, I have not had a lot of VR experiences, though, so I've heard right. that that goes away after a while. But basically, you have to move around using your analog stick, moving forward or backward. And when you're sitting or when you're standing, well, whenever you're stationary and your head starts moving and your character starts moving when your body is not moving, it's very, very disorienting. And can cause some motion sickness. I felt a lot of that while I was playing the game. Right. I mean, that's just a known thing. That if you're going to use an analog stick to move around in VR, it just makes everyone sick that plays it. Mm -hmm. And you've told me multiple times that goes away over time. But I, that, I don't know, I don't I know firsthand. I've heard from plenty of press people and people who have gone to these conventions and tried the demos over and over. That similar demos that they tried before where they felt sick. After a while, they're not feeling sick that sickening feeling anymore because eventually it goes away also people who purchase the uh dev kits things like that a lot of people are saying it goes away after a while so i actually didn't use the little touch things i was on a gamepad and in order to move your character you would have to click the bumpers on the controller and it would shift your uh vantage point Either a little bit left or a little bit right. Yeah, it would it would snap your yeah, view snap to it. to fifty degrees to the left or to the right, and that was the same with the motion controls. Mm. Has anyone seen another developer do that? I thought that was a fairly reasonable way to, to navigate. The that's one of the problems with VR is that like people are trying to find these workarounds. Uh, one thing is, with the Vive demos uh, developed by Valve, 
they have this like teleporting thing where they yeah, so point. Yeah, where they point. You like throw a ball and like you end up teleporting to where the ball. Yeah, lands. it's basically a teleporting mechanic yeah. where you just point your uh, motion controller to a certain area on the floor and you'll warp to that area. So it seems like again here we're playing blind and you're you have to like snap your positioning in order to change where you're looking. Apparently that's better to do and it would feel more sickening if you like used your right analog stick or your mouse and looked around that way. I can imagine that being a problem. So just interesting to see what developers are doing, what independent developers, you know, not being coached by, you know, the right. the actual hardware manufacturers and things like that. Well, hardware developers. Well, as a man who has had thousands of out-of-body experiences, I don't think there's any difficulty with me <laughs> attaining a different calm, vantage calm point down, calm down. and Unreal. moving forward so <laughs> i actually had a conversation with this developer about this idea of like how do you how do you do a tutorial in vr in general like a lot of times in a regular game the button that you have to press at a certain time will pop up over something and it's so immersive that i felt like that would take you out of the experience and that's basically what the developer said is that there's almost no tutorial in this game and what i asked him is could you imagine a situation where you throw up the entire controller onto the screen like in the corner and highlight what button you have to press because you can't even see the controllers while you're playing they're totally mm. invisible to you sure. so it's like how do you tell someone you have to press the a button or the trigger in this instance so i think it's a unique problem to solve and, and we're gonna see over the yeah next like a, every time you have a vr demo there's always uh, a spotter a guy who's next to you one of the developers or just someone who's there making sure you're putting the thing on right, make sure you, you're he's handing you all the controllers and stuff. These are all things, like, I'm sure people are experiencing now because there are VR headsets out right now so what, that they're messing with, yeah. What's really frustrating for me is that, like, I, I still haven't used VR yet, and uh, you guys all went to PAX. I was the one person that didn't go. Mm. And um, I, I really expected for you guys to all have an experience where I can say, is this VR worth it or not? And basically, I'm left in the same situation where... Ryan says it's absolutely perfect. Joey says there's some shortcomings. It's certainly not and perfect. And David says that it it doesn't work for like certain things. David only played here, a 2D game. But here it, I am no, sitting... No, I played blind too. Also blind. Here I am sitting here and, uh, and I heard one thing in particular where this, this game... I'm not going to say that it, it was a failed game, but the, Which game? the, the your 2D uh, yeah, game... Yeah, Legend of Dungeon. Right, right, right. Um, I wouldn't call it a failed game, but certainly this technology added a breath of fresh air. To it, and it might bring it to the foresight. But w another thing that I'm, that I'm really noticing just from your stories is that uh, these shortcomings are reminding me to what uh, Mark Rosewater of Wizards of the Coast says is a short, a small design space, which mm -hmm. is that I don't think that we're going to see. Uh, maybe at first, we're we're not going to see big companies like putting a lot of resources into this. Maybe the technology isn't ready there. I constantly think about. How I'm going to traverse these 3D worlds with, you know, these goggles on. Uh, here's the thing, you know, you, you haven't so tried many, it. You yeah. haven't tried it. You know, those types of things, like those seem like small but the grievances. Work, the workaround that I see these companies coming to is going to be like on rails. And I feel like we're predominantly going to see either um, like simulators, like uh, uh, that uh, – Silent Hills, like I can see like a Silent Hills type of game coming from that, like a jump out pop scare. Yeah, a I can lot see, of horror games. I can see like shooters and I can see like manipulating puzzles like being like the main things. But the, the workaround that I see is them putting you on rails. Mm -hmm. And that is something that the gaming community ostracized and we don't deal with anymore. I mean, I'm just going to say 
I cannot wait for a VR Time Crisis or House of the Dead. <laughs> That's true. That is an on-rail shooter that would be so sick in VR. Yeah, an on-rail shooter could do really well. So, so what I see where it moves for you. What I see there is like it's it's going to be like an arcade trope game, uh, sort of. Um, What's the word for it? Like a like a parlor trick game where it's not going to be like a sit down system like you have with a PC or like a, a system. And this is going to be like a hey, like friend that's coming over, like check out this like nifty. Like I don't see it developing. I, I disagree. I think that I from what I've seen and read, uh, I 100 percent think that two, three years, maybe even now, as I've said, with some of the games I didn't get to play that there will be a, a way that you can be in an immersed experience and the VR can add uh, like a completely unique element no, that you I would not get. No, I already experienced the completely yeah. unique element. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to tell you that I had a headset on you were and Spider-Man. I literally felt like I was flying through the okay. air. You do not <laughs> feel like that when you're playing a game. I mean, you get like maybe a second of that. Nah, right, but, see, that's the thing. Like the, there's the novel of novelty of VR experience itself is enough to sell you on a more antiquated game format, like, say, an Unreal shooter or something like that. Right. The fact that you have this now new way, new form of input, I guess, of, like, playing this game and, like, in interacting with the game. VR <laughs> allows a better immersiveness than a regular game, a standard game, which I, I disagree with. To you haven't extent. tried Brian, it. Mike, you haven't I, tried fine, it. It's fine, fine. Let's saying, just like, cut this whole it's thing. A it's no, 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 I would like fine. to start a new segment. Yeah, I'll start a new segment. I'm working on, by the way, working on an op-ed on, like, the fallacy of like experiencing a game through fucking let's plays. By the way, I know you're a big fan. Oh of this well, we theory. can talk all day about let's plays. Let's let me I, get this. Let me get this put up on the blog, so, and then we'll talk more. We, so there's when I play Half Life, for example. There's a part of me that believes that I'm Gordon Freeman. I think that they told every day. They, I'm not they told no the story well enough where I can walk around in my actual life and say a part of my person is Gordon. Mike, what the fuck are you life. talking? About? <laughs> but, I'm not saying but that VR. Have but VR inert. allows people that build these games to to get there faster. So Ryan believes he well, is Spider faster and Mike, more. It's not that you believe that you're the character. It's you literally feel. The things that are happening in the game—that's mm -hmm. not true. You don't literally feel. I okay, literally no physical. I, okay, Ryan also. So what I Ryan said. also tried the Japanese sex uh, suit. <laughs> Seen that, so by the way. He the fucking fully <laughs> felt it all. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So anyway, uh, the VR demos were pretty cool. I think like one of you was concerned about uh, VR being brought up, like VR games being developed by bigger companies bigger investments and like right now we're getting kind of the the bottoms of the barrel sort of thing we're not really getting the high class vr games that are destined i think i know you you mike are not a big uh you're a bit of a skeptic for the playstation vr seeing as and it's the playstation, the PlayStation. <laughs> and the playstation in general but the uh, first party forever. studios at playstation are a lot of them are working on playstation vr games and those guys are clearly not, right. you know... Because PlayStation like, is a company that cares about what games come out for it on the year-to-year -year basis. Sure. I mean, well said. Anyway. All right. Well, on to a game that I played. It was... Wait, is this a board game? 
No, it's not a board game. Okay. It okay. is an so indie story. game. This is a uh, game about vi- uh, a podcast about video games. So <laughs> non uh, so, so modular games. Not going to be talking about them. analog games. games. We'll be talking Kermit about plenty did do of those. Very well with Power Brick, though. I do want to just like, get grid. the story. Power Grid. So Power Brick. Power different Grid. Game. Different game. So I played a uh, a game. It's called Space Cats in Space by Robotic Potato, uh, and it. Caught my eye as I was passing through the uh, the indie booth. Space cats in space <laughs> as a game with space cats with in space. I love cats and I love space. So those these two things together. It was a twin stick space shooter. It was sort of like a bullet storm game where you get to I guess at some in some ways RPG your ship up, RPG your wing uh, your wingman wing cats up, and you're fighting basically Nazi dogs. Uh, which was pretty sweet. Basically. <laughs> uh, but I felt like, and this might have been the fact that I jumped in right after another person was playing. They just left the game, so I, I picked up where they uh, left off. And I felt the controls were incredibly slow. And moving the ship was kind of torturous. So if I'm playing uh, uh, like a Bolt Storm game, which I believe is what uh, this was going for, I need the controls to be perfectly snappy. Yeah, but these were cats piloting these ships. Like, this is probably why. So cats are super, like, twitchy and reflexive. They should have the, the best uh, controls. That's true. Twitchy so, cats, I've heard. Yeah, so I think that this game, and once again, I I really didn't get a chance to talk to the, uh, the developer. Mike can't help I thought that the, the controls were kind of shoddy. I love the concept. I also think that they had a uh, like a flash uh, trailer that was constantly on loop to uh, promote the game. And it was uh, Space Cat Captain just singing about how it was a game of cats in space. And if they had spent $100 more on the production values of that trailer, okay. it would have accrued a lot more attention because it looked like a... Like a Homestar Runner. Homestar Runner. Star, yeah. Man. Yeah, Kurt oh, was look. deep in the indie magic. I was deep in the indie booth. I got lost in the indie booth. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to spend any time. It has been known for people at PAX to run across bad games at the yeah. indie booth. I didn't think it was a bad game. I just thought that the controls needed to be worked on. And if it wasn't Cats, what would you grade the game? We don't do grades on We don't do grades on this. I'm just going to say that please look at the game if you're interested in Cats in Space. But... If this wasn't a game space. and it wasn't cats, what does the grade become with minus There's the cats? no grading on There's this no game. Grades on no this grades. So you're saying, uh, but I, I want to know, does the, does the cats give any sort of benefit to what could have could be? Cats a gave a plus three modifier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I played a game, a space game, actually a lot of promise, unlike this cat game that we're hearing about, called Moonshot. I'm very excited about it. played it. I'm probably going to download this game day of which i rarely do basically super smash brothers but mario galaxy style so you're you're flying around planets uh you have gravity of different planets but you're also shooting different people uh like melee attacking them when you die you fly out of your spaceship and you have to find another ship you're the guy break break this down for me are you sharing a screen with someone or is it just a four player super smash okay type game great game I'm very excited about it. There were a lot of multiplayer games. A lot of great multiplayer, like, just simple indie 2D games that, like, you could just hop on and do a lot. 
Okay. So I played a couple of games too, just just a few. Uh, I played really cool two D indie game uh, called what was it? Flint Hook. Uh, it was like this cool little bit style game. Looked a lot like Rogue Legacy. Uh, that you had a hook shot and you it was very snappy controls where you're jumping around platforming looking for gold cool stuff i played uh again legend of dungeon played a couple other indie games but the game i was most excited to play at the indie mega booth is a game that's already had a lot of attention uh it's capybara games below that game i'm very very excited for it's finally coming out this year started showing up at like pax prime and pax east and all sorts of conventions like two years ago and people have been very excited for it. It's like this uh, 2D, uh, kind of like a dungeon crawler, but it's very, very much inspired by games like uh, Dark Souls, uh, like a Legend of Zelda, things like that. Very hardcore games. Super Meat Boy? Uh, definitely not Super Meat Boy. Very, very little platforming in this no, game. No, it's 100%. Like but I'm saying like like Dark Souls, like you die, you're going to die a lot. Uh, I think, yeah, it's definitely a hardcore game. It's definitely... It, more in that when you die, you are sent very far back. You know, you're sent back to whatever checkpoint you were at, and they are fire pits again, like Dark Souls, and you lose everything, and then you have to go on a corpse run looking for the stuff that you dropped. Some of the things being very imperative, like there's one of each item in that game, like your lamp, which is very important because uh, it's a very dark game. You only have one lamp, and you have to go find it if you lose it. And it's just a very cool, very atmospheric, very fun combat game. I've been very excited for it. I was very excited to finally meet the guys at Capybara Games. Uh, but other than that... I had one question I never yeah. got answered about that game, though. What was that? Below what? Below what? I asked them. They were like, what is below? And I was like, spoiler alert, everyone doesn't want to know what's below. Just get off the podcast. But unfortunately, they were not ready to disclose what is below what lies beneath what lies below ah lies beneath these are the guys who did super brothers sword and sorcery right? yeah Both super brothers sword and sorcery. i hated that game that oh was a my great god game. what are you talking about i don't want to play that, that game this game at all that game was miserable. oh no this game is fantastic below is really good and you didn't like super brothers really no there were no. things i hated about super you, brothers you don't but there like were point, certainly things you don't I like point and click games though that was the issue that i didn't have control <laughs> okay. over this okay well you might have liked their other games like their games they are very a very interesting developer. They just decide to do something completely different. Just throw away the playbook. Once they finish a game, do something completely new. Like the next game they made, I'm pretty sure the next game they made after Super Brothers was Super Time Force. Have you heard of that game before? It sounds familiar. I'm just not remembering Insane, it. chaotic game. It's a 2D like side-scrolling platformer thing. Basically, you have 30 seconds to beat the level and you can manipulate time and redo levels and each time you die using a certain character you have like a selection of three characters when you die you are able to restart the level or just restart a certain area and play again but you're playing alongside your past self and you can have about 20 different characters like that you just played as okay. and eventually those 30 seconds become you know infinite number of seconds over multiple characters and it was a very silly game very uh, comical game this game is totally different like the polar opposite of that game like a zelda-esque really hardcore really dreary very hardcore game and i'm very excited for it uh so far super time force i thought was better than super brothers and i think this game looks like it's going to be even better so well, super I'm excited time for force it. looks awesome this is going on my steam wish list like <laughs> super time force is very cool right now 
Kern, did you play any other games at PAX? Played a lot of board games. That's <laughs> uh, that's where I was at. Uh, I felt like waiting online, as I've said before, not something I want to do. Whereas the uh, the tournaments that they had running constantly at PAX were a lot of games that are very near and dear to my heart, like Dominion uh, with the Seaside expansion, Power Grid, uh, some Love Letter action. I actually huh. have a uh, a funny story about catching one of my co-hosts here. Uh, Cheating to win. Uh, yeah, so I haven't love actually heard this story. Don't actually know what happened. Well, would, to explain the story, we'd have to really dive into the mechanics of a love letter. The uh, point is that I wasn't cheating, although <laughs> had I had the full knowledge of what was going on, I probably would have gone for the cheat. But David saw it over my shoulder. You were inadvertently cheating. He yeah. he said he played a card, said he won, uh, and. To, to win Love Letter in this tournament, you need, and to win Love Letter generally, you need to win four rounds of this game. Uh, he had run one, I believe, once. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other three players had won three times. So if a any totally, of them won. almost totally random game for the listeners, by the way. Very not random can, at all. Very a lot of skill. Uh, so no skill. I pointed out that Ryan's move was completely illegal, even though... Uh, the five people that were watching, and this is a game where at the end you have perfect information of everything that's going on. None of them caught it. I immediately went, actually, Ryan, you can't do that. Uh, Ryan then goes, oh, yeah, you're right. Proceeds to fiddle with the cards and say, this girl to my left actually wins. Everybody just goes, I have no idea what's going on. We both walk away. But it was great. <laughs> End of tournament. <laughs> End both, of tournament. Both you leave. Both leave. <laughs> All right. So later in the day, we played, me and David entered into a four random games tournament. So they threw four random board games at us, all four of which we had never played before. Um, starting off, we had Adorable Pandering. And Which I bought two of these game. games now. I have two of them in my hand. Pandering. Adorable. Panda ring. Panda ring. Uh, also, Sushi Go! Exclamation point. Both of these games were phenomenal. If you are into um, drafting at all in any other card games, you'll love Sushi Go! If you just Go. have a constant addiction and need to draft. To draft. And bring it to every game possible. Like who? Which just can't have fucking drafting. Yeah, but that's, Sushi that's Go! is a, is a pass and play game that is one of the best games I've ever played. I immediately bought it. Um, pan- adorable pandering is not one of the best games I've ever played, but I also immediately bought it. Uh, it's okay. It's an okay game. It's kind of like a, a card battler that follows numbers. You can check out these games. They're under they're under ten dollars each. So. so I played a game just so you know. Had a really ridiculous incident with a game developer, like a board game developer. Ran up to this guy, saw this little cool guitar pick, and I play guitar. So I saw this little like guitar aluminum pick. It was like coolly designed. It was gold. It was big. I looked for it. I took it and I looked around like, all right, someone gets to tell me why I should buy this right now because I kind of want to. And the guy steps up. He's just like, oh, this is called a band or album. I'm like, okay, band or album. How's it work? He's like, well, it's like that game you guys, you play with your friends. I'm like, well, I don't know the game. He said, oh, well, like say you just think of a, a phrase like uh, adorable pandering and that's the, you, you guys have to argue amongst yourselves whether it's an album or a game. Get out. Uh, an They're album or a band. I'm like, oh, wait, you mean like al- adorable pandering is, is an actual band or album and it's like you have to fact check? He's like, no, no, no. It's just random things that you say and you just argue about. I'm like, okay, cool. So like, is it a car game? Like, are there a board? He's like, no, there's just these rules. And he shows me this little pamphlet. I'm like, well, how much is the pamphlet? He said, $5. I said, what does it say in there? He said, well, 
kind of like what I just told you. And I said, sir, you must be the stupidest person. I, I could not believe. I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And he looked at me. He's just like, oh, and he starts laughing. I'm like, sir, I'm not joking. This is the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. You just told me that I should buy your $5 pamphlet for a game. You just explained all the rules. And I walked away. I felt never felt more cruel. Did but you it was take the stupidest his pick? Thing. I did not take the pick. I must say, I just looked this up. And there is a official Kickstarter for uh, this game, Band or Album, the social game you're playing even now. And guess how many playing backers it now. has. You don't even need to buy it because you're guess, already playing it. Joey, guess how many backers it has and 13, how much money it's... Uh, 13. It's, 13 people. A uh, higher? 14. 14. <laughs> higher. Far higher. 17. Bankers. 28. 265 backers pledged $5,593 right, well, there are to help bring this project to life. All right, so I'm guys, I'm going to Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, go to Kickstarter. Stupid Kickstarter. Jesus All right, well, we have to go, before we finish this segment, this board game segment, we have to go over the finals Oof. of the random board game tournament. So Mike I, and I are on the edges of our seats. So just, I, just to set this up, the moderator of this tournament, unclear if he was being paid, he was one of the red shirts at PAX. There's 100,000 people at PAX. And this is one of the people who is moderating the the Fortman. There are a lot enforcer. of these. Enforcer. There are He's a lot enforcer. of these red shirts that are called enforcers. And so this guy said he had spent weeks leading up to PAX thinking about the perfect game to be the in the finals of the random board game tournament, the Saturday night random board game tournament. What was that game, David? It was well. First of all, I in every contest of wills uh, with Ryan here beat him one on one. Almost true. every game we played. That's not true. I made it to the finals of this 64-person random event, and it was a game called Riff Raff that is a relatively obscure, uh, I-, I would say, manual dexterity game that the board is a physical 3D ship, a wooden ship that is on a gimbal that has various uh mass <laughs> yeah me and mike are both lost on what a gimbal I'm it's sorry, on a gimbal i don't know what a gimbal is so it, it it's like the ship if you place weight on it will wave back and forth so it's kind of on a 3d axis so it naturally also like topple aka a gimbal <laughs> I, i'm i'm pretty sure it's a gimbal i mean All right, cut the gimbal talk let's talk is about that different? i feel like when you're thinking of a schwazelator <laughs> it could be a, a schwazelator uh but a regardless gimbal, so the thing be. is david is a known choke artist and i have a video <laughs> of david fucking this up so hard and it's gonna be on the screen watchers blog like you can go there and check it out excited uh so regardless regardless uh the game is you get a uh a number of different pieces that are cargo and you get a number of cards that have number on uh, numbers on them it's a four-person game uh everybody chooses uh, a number that corresponds to a, a a part of the ship and you place it face down then everybody flips up the card and the person with the highest number becomes the captain who not only places first but determines who places in the event of a tie so if uh it's one to ten two people put out five then the captain gets to choose so i my strategy was do the hardest things first and then go to the bottom of the ship because uh the very top cards are if any cargo falls off you have to replace that cargo additionally you can catch cargo that falls off and it disappears. So you kind of need to be cradling the the area that the cargo can fall off with your hand, but all the other cargo 
on the rest of the ship can also fall off. So uh, I immediately screw up during the first placement, oh. and this is – I blew it. This is Ryan. He's going to post that uh, that video, and I seem to blow it a lot in the finals of every event I go to. <laughs> but regardless, awesome game and incredibly tense because it's all on you. It if, literally sounds like Topple to me. I'm sorry. It, it sounds was, like – like, might as well have been Hungry Hungry Hippos for the finals. Of Ryan the- saw this, and it looks sweet, right? It was pretty sweet. It's like an $80 game. That's If it wasn't $80 and it didn't have to be shipped, then I would snap by it. And uh, But it was a it was a great game. And uh, Riff Raff. Riff Raff. Go ahead, keep music. Right, everybody look it up. Anyway, we're going to talk about news now. We'll be discussing the Nintendo news that came out about NX. We'll be talking about Dark Souls director officially retiring the Dark Souls franchise, uh, Jim Sterling's feud with YouTube, and possibly some things about Kevin Levine directing or participating in a TV show. But first, some music. experience at PAX was you sitting down for the truck simulator and you were like this is terrible and the developer was right there he's just like oh thanks yeah yeah I didn't tell Mike this I'm just like this game is fucking terrible and I handed it to the guy I thought it was like an Intel guy and he had like decked out an American truck (laughs) (laughs) this game is horrendous you have wasted your life sir take your controller back Joey here really doesn't think that you can get the true gist of a game by watching a, a Let's Play or a Twitch stream. I, and I think Mike here, would disagree. Yeah. I've had so much enjoyment out of watching... I'm not saying you can't enjoy it. I'm saying you do not experience nearly the same amount as the player. Well, I can tell you for sure that I'm never going to play Dark Souls based on my former co-worker well that's it. fine you don't have to play the game i'm just saying you are not getting the same experience you are in fact probably getting a very no, truncated experience. experience what i'm getting the experience i'm getting the experience you're not, that I you are not getting the game. exact same experience obscene we're not saying that you get the same experience we're saying you get a great like a, well, i didn't an experience. say that i never said right i never said anything no one's arguing that. saying that you get the exact same experience but I do think it's no. Fair. You're, you're, Kerner was alluding to the idea that, like, yeah, you get a pretty much just the same amount of joint. So yes. So like, if I'm watching Farm Simulator or Truck Simulator, it is a game I would never play. <laughs> but watching this, watching the streamer play, being engaged in the community, it is, it is truly. Mike is doing something outrageous right now. <laughs> uh, but it is, in my opinion, like. A great, uh, a great view into it's a simulation of the simulation, right. and at some point with some of these games, <laughs> that's oh, all you need. <laughs> that's all Brain. you need. <laughs> so if there was a line simulator, I could have played at PAX. It would have made the lines <laughs> much more fun. Yeah, that would have been pretty awesome. A oh. VR line simulator where yeah. you just slowly move forward. That is that. a great Steam game idea. Just letting everybody out there know. Queuing simulator. So during a financial report that Nintendo issued last night, the they announced that they plan to release the codename NX game console that they have in development 
in March of 2017, as well as letting us all know that Legend of Zelda for Wii U and for NX now officially confirmed has been delayed to 2017. I have a as question. Well, yes. Mike. Why now? Why it was the financial report? So they're speaking to their investors and to the press and to developers about their their they could have released what they, they could, what they their revenue for that year for the last fiscal year. They could have released this news at E3. They could have released it at PAX. They could have released it at Tokyo Game Show. They decided to release this in a press release. Ryan, why do you think they not a press release? Uh, uh, a their, financial their report. Financial report. Similar situation to when they first announced the codename NX. They yeah. were they were announcing to investors saying, "Do not fear, investors. Nintendo's still in the home console game, and we have these plans for DNA and well, mobile, but we are going to release this." He, here's what I'm asking: You said, "Do not fear." What are they fearing? Was it a bad quarterly report? It was a horrible quarterly. Report. Real bad, real bad. Profits down sixty percent for them. Sixty percent. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This fiscal year, mm-hmm. really grim for them. And you, you asked me why now. I mean. I think that this was a controlled release. I mean, I think they knew for for many months that they were going to have to delay Zelda. I mean, do you think that they wouldn't have made this announcement if the this earnings report was so bad? I I don't know. I think they might have. I think that well, normally they do announce. Nintendo does things a little more old school. I don't know if this is old school, but they are just an old school company. And once they come to investor meetings, things like that, they they're very forthright. Like, there's not a lot of hardware developers and first-party companies that will release information on their sales for something. Like, Microsoft always gives you these roundabout figures. Like, Halo is the best-selling Halo game on the Xbox One that came out in this year. You know, it's ridiculous what they do to try and get around the actual hard numbers. Like, what did you make? How well did you do this year? They are very forthright. They li- literally just give you the numbers. Mm. So when they do, they often try to create um, a message that helps uh, sate the developers' you know curiosity or the or right. this trepidation right. for well, this country, this country, this company, because they are essentially fucked if anything awry goes with this next. Console. Well, do you is, is there any evidence that uh, a lot of their legacy games are? Uh, losing steam like do you have uh the same sales for the new mario games and mario games excuse me uh and zelda games that you did uh in prior uh game generations no, no. well here's the thing they only sold 10 million wii u's so they really blew the wii u and this is what joey's original i mean that was a figure we got like last year but i right. mean yeah essentially they are totally destroyed on the podcast cons- hardware goes joey's original contention was that the wii u and what we talked about at length was that they were backtracking from the wii u years ago so it came out right and the idea was you have this tablet this pad and they're gonna have all these really cool experiences that use the tablet and, none and of that ultimately happened, right? none of that happened well no developers really uh utilized the technology that they had there uh they didn't have plans themselves or even if they did they never follow through in the first year or two, really, with the gamepad right. Nintendo. Right. And then third parties, developers just stayed away from it because one, people weren't buying it. And two, they didn't know what it was. They were like, we're, we're just going to do what we know and stay with these consoles that are easy to develop for because they're essentially boxed PCs. And so my what I was saying on a couple, few podcasts ago, what, like 
12 podcasts ago now. Yeah, this is months yeah. ago. I mean, this is so, a continuing thread. Yeah, I've definitely believed that, like, they backpedaled uh, in their first fiscal year. They saw that they had projected, you know, say, <clears throat> 9 million units sold, and it was only, like, 2.3 million units sold in the first fiscal year. Right there, I'm sure Sotaro Iwata, may he rest in peace, was just like, back up, let's, let's drop this thing. We'll get out everything that we feel obligated to get out on this console and whatever we need to in order to stay afloat while we start a new console. Let's start developing a new console right. and put all hands on deck for that. Normally, I do believe that every console developer or console creator does start working on the next console right away. Uh, but I think they got all hands on deck for this one, for sure. Right. So the most egregious example of this pad, if you don't know about the Wii U, is that in Mario, you have this giant pad, uh, Mario Kart. You have this giant pad. Literally made the same mistake. He's like, Mario, wait, Mario Kart. It's the right. first time you said But this. you can only, the entire pad is a large horn that you can click. So you're playing the game on the sides of the pad and you slam the middle, giant horn. Yeah. Really insane, really absurd And that's stuff. all it does? That's yeah. all the whole I, I mean, does. that could have been so much. That could have been, like, taking your hand off to switch <laughs> a gear. That could have been, like, a mini-map. I mean... There could have been but a the lot. the thing is, touch controls are unintuitive. No one wants to develop for them. No one wants to use them, really, in games. This is Mario Kart 8, right? It's on their yeah, phone. The yeah, 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 Watch dozens of hours of Twitch streams of Mario Kart 8. All right, uh, let's, go back to, let's go back to Nintendo. So when I heard this news today that they're pushing Zelda... <laughs> The first thing I jump to is what is going to be their messaging around E3. So we thought, I mean, it was the general consensus that they would be uh, unveiling what their concept is going to be for the NX at E3 and that they were going to, like, hopefully follow suit with a short release date right after that, maybe a few months later in the beginning of the year. But that is clearly not true. So what do we think we're going to see at E3 from Nintendo this well, year? Well, they, they were very explicit about what they're going to bring to E3. They said we are going to be showing off Zelda on the Wii U at E3, and that is all you're going to see at E3. They're go the only game okay. that will be playable Damn. at E3, and the only thing they're going to be showing off, essentially. <laughs> I don't know if that means that the Direct they normally do or their keynote that they'll possibly do is going to be Zelda, but, uh, I mean, I think what they'll end up doing is just doing just Zelda, nothing else really, and then doing their own thing on the side maybe a couple months after that or so longer. What, what comes to mind here then, like, if you're saying that the 2016 lineup is going to be, you know, Zelda eventually. detrimental to that. You're so then the 2016 both. lineup was the Star Fox Zero, which has gotten horrible reviews, and that's it. So I, I have to wonder, more in line with what I'm dealing with with Nintendo, is that, like, why are they pushing their Super Nintendo Virtual Consoles right now? I want, I'm wondering if... It's for sales? I don't know. What do you, what do you I'm, mean? I'm wondering if they've decided that now is the time to push these games that they've basically not... They've, they've not done anything with Super Nintendo in the entire time that the Virtual Console has been out. Uh -huh. So now we have Super Mario, which is now in your pocket, and now <laughs> they just did Super Metroid and um, A Link to the Past... Uh, all the games that I've been talking about, Donkey Kong Country. And so, like, I'm wondering if the, if the 26 lineup is, 16 lineup is so sparse, maybe that's why they're stepping up their virtual consoles. They need to be making profits somewhere. How the hell are they going to have a year where they may have no products? Right, I mean, well, their profit's true. down 60%. It's, it's looking pretty grim. Okay, so they're so just going to saying, accept nothing for 2016? Right. What sort of, like, business marketing is that? Yeah, 2016, uh, aside from... The Pokemon games, which I'm sure will do well, uh, Sun and Moon, which I think they confirmed for later 2016, uh, 
aside from that, they have Mar- Paper Mario, uh, something Splash, whatever. They have that coming out for Wii U. And then a couple other games that really These are, are things that I'm not going to make. Yeah, there is no... Pokemon, of course they, I am, but... There is no killer app right now for 2016. Absolutely not, especially for holiday. Uh, we all assumed, you know, that there was a good chance they'd be talking about... Uh, I mean, I definitely think so many people assume that E3 unveiling this I'm was how I'm pretty nervous here because I mean, on top I'm not of, nervous. I, I saw this a mile I mean, away. That, me, like, they me were too. I mean, I, do... I'm kind of glad that Ian's not here for this because he would be like, no, Nintendo's the safest bet that we, he had a time where Nintendo, Nintendo wasn't doing well one or two years ago. He said to buy Nintendo stock and it shot up like a that month later. Like, that was before the Wii. Yeah, or some, I mean, something crazy like yeah. that, and you know he was like, that was see, more than two years ago, Nintendo man. is like so good, but what, that's the side of the point. Yeah, Nintendo, uh, but Justin, like, no, sorry, I, I'm scared of, of now because if this is the case with um, the 2016 lineup and their earnings report coming out and being so bad, have you for the future of Nintendo? You guys saw the the AR Pokemon game for that's yeah, going to be on the Go. phone, right? I saw the the demo. That came out. It was like an early demo. Did you see, yeah, the see this? Yeah, uh, so some uh, leaked footage of nine minutes of Pokemon Nick's Go. Nick's good, my friend. Not it's not not good at all. Well, here's the thing. Like that's I Pokemon. The that's the Pokemon company. Good. That's that's the Pokemon company. That's game. I don't know if that's Game Freak, but that's the Pokemon company that's slightly separated from uh the from Nintendo. Obviously, right. I mean, Nintendo it's, is it's, a parent. It's company. their money maker. Yeah, but that's the thing. They're you know. These mobile games are hopefully what they're going to be banking on. They did announce also two new mobile games. That's such a crazy one. One being Animal Crossing, another being Fire Emblem or something like that. So some really hardcore Nintendo IP being brought to mobile So certainly don't see it as a crazy move. I I think think that that it's a pretty logical move to, to get Nintendo on every platform. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's if just you were so... going to be able to put Super Mario on every phone, which is the thing that you always talk about, sorry, uh, then we will... Yeah, that that's a good move. But to say like we're going to like stop producing games for our console, which have traditionally done well, and exclusively jump down to like a phone, that makes no sense. You're limiting your design, but you're not exclusively jumping down to a phone. And this is something that, uh, and, and at this point, I've been following Nintendo. Probably the last time I looked at a lot of the financial financial stuff was maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, these guys are much more, I guess, up to date on it. But from what I had understood, Nintendo was continually lambasted by analysts and by designers for not allowing their IP on the mobile space. And uh, it was considered to be an insane move. So when you have uh, a, like a, a console that sold so few units you don't have the ability to, even with your phenomenally popular products, to make the kind of revenue that you need. So mobile is something that is in everybody's pocket, and there's absolutely no reason why sure. why Nintendo wouldn't allow they, you to have an app on the They should have a, an app an department. App I right. don't think that they should downsi- downsize their console development. Mike, I don't think that they're downsizing the console development. I think that what's happening there is they're pushing everything to the NX. But let me go back and let me walk David, yeah, the just, new listeners. Just to actually fully confirm, yeah, they have, they've hired on a third party. Like well, they, They've I mean, hired on DNA. They I, didn't... They didn't push anyone out of Nintendo. I guess the reason why I think that it's it's downsizing is because I, I think it was Konami that actually did it. They're like, oh yeah, we're not we're not making games for consoles anymore. Yeah, that's Konami. Yeah, totally different. I mean, I, I yeah, feel yeah. like the Japanese thing now is to go to mobile. All right, uh, let's let's 
for a lot of new listeners, I'm sure we have new listeners. Let's walk and for David who hasn't been here. Let's walk through some of the ideas I've had for Nintendo on this podcast, some blue sky ideas that I think would be phenomenal, what Nintendo should do. Number one, when we first started the podcast, Nintendo should sell out totally to Apple. This is the big, gonna happen. big move. I feel like this is the big move they make. They sell to Apple. They're now, both white. They're both clean. It only makes sense. <laughs> now Nintendo, every first party Nintendo game is on every iMac, every iPhone, and every iPad. And now when you buy an iPhone, which is like the number one most popular selling phone, you get Mario. You get Zelda as a first party title for Apple. But okay, you don't number have two. to sell out to uh to Apple to do that. You can just release the, well, you, no, the apps on the store. Like, that's what, what okay, you do, the, you just third party right, you just right, become the, a third party developer. The value add for them to, would be to get on top inside the store as the first party developer for Apple. But also then if Apple bought Nintendo, what they'd be able to do is develop an actual game console, like an Apple Nintendo game console. But you don't you don't need that. Insane. Like and that's actually I think that uh back in the day wasn't that what they were originally planning like two decades ago or something? There was some uh, some like super old thing where Apple and Nintendo were – or was it Apple and Microsoft? No, uh, Microsoft Ian, Ian and Nintendo. Ian is now Nintendo. screaming at the podcast yeah. early. But they, it was going, like there was a partnership that was supposed to take place between Sony and Nintendo. With Sony and Sony Nintendo. Sony was supposed there to manufacture go. the next – uh, well, at least the disc drive for the Super Nintendo. Apple, and they yeah. were eventually gonna they were gonna call it the Nintendo PlayStation. Yeah. And you you might yes. be mixing this because Apple was going to come out with the console, but it was yeah. No, well. no, I actually I saw the uh, it was it was like a unique story uh, maybe a year ago or something uh, of a guy that apparently had one of the original prototypes of the Nintendo PlayStation. So that's allegedly where, one of the allegedly one yeah. of the prototypes. Yeah, so yeah. that looks sweet. But uh yeah, I, right, I don't so think that's idea number one. Idea number two We have five ideas the, guys. The next this phase is, I'll throw all five out. is that Apple that Nintendo Alright I know what Ryan's plans. Ryan wants a phone. Ryan wants VR. No I want or AR. I want Ryan Nintendo wants to, do, Mac, to do a Apple. controller that it hooks into the USB port of an of an iMac or a Windows machine, and they release their software natively on Windows and Mac, and that same software will then also work on their home console. All things they will not do this generation. How do you know that these uh, Macs will be able to emulate uh, appropriately? How do you know that the hardware is going to be uh, as decent to emulate <sighs> That's an outrageous a 25-year-old Super Nintendo game? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, coming out next year on both systems. Odd that they're going to show it off at E3, probably fully playable and functional, and they're just holding off on selling it because, because what, the NX, you know? And like they had said over and over for the console's entire lifespan that Zelda Wii U is coming out, 
and I'm a Wii U owner, and I'm sitting here with no one Zelda. One of the ten. One of the ten Same. million, and there's no Zelda for me. And it's not coming out till 2017, so well, pretty ridiculous. Demographically, is Nintendo entirely betting on, uh, I guess, people that grew up with Zelda uh, to buy these new games? Is there a new generation of people that play Pokemon, that play Zelda, that play all their uh, their legacy IP? Because that was my original... Uh, yeah. my, my original question is that they, do they have to come out with something like they tried with Splatoon and it seemed to do pretty well, but not as well I think, as I think they wanted to. Yeah. I think targeting a demographic for Nintendo either just evades them completely or they have no interest in it because <laughs> they've one never had interest in marketing. Really? They've always been of the mantra that the game will sell itself because it's a good game, uh, ever since like nes and super nintendo days i think also that they just have absolutely no connection they have no concept of like what kids like today what people like today you can see the star fox ads and the splatoon ads and you can tell that the last time they did serious marketing strategic was the the 90s like fucking splatoon is like this 90s jello commercial and then star fox has got puppets in it like it's the most Oh yeah, I saw that. that it's, it's the, the most worst. buffoonish. Oh my god, I've it's seen these. Yes. Amazing, almost amazing. almost like almost incredible fantastic. work of art. Yeah. But like this is PlayStation and an Xbox and uh, PC, which is I guess what I primarily play. They're continually coming out with new IP that gets people excited, and I just and this is every game site always has articles continually about this. The Nintendo just doesn't have the vision to see past their legacy products. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I have no evidence to back that, nor do I see any evidence to (laughs) say, say against it. But the thing is, they have done well, critically, with any reiteration on a on a game franchise or a game IP like say Zelda or Mario. Those always sell pretty well and almost universally are critically acclaimed every time they come out with something new. So I think they see no reason to. Also, I think they see no reason to because they're delusional. Like, it's crazy what Nintendo does. Although, I'll eat my humble pie if the the NX comes out and it's amazing and it has this new gaming experience that just changes the world and everyone loves it. I keep saying New gaming experience, you mean a new gimmick that people... Exactly. (laughs) Like, they're going to change the video gaming No, you got to play this game upside down. They give you (laughs) a serious harness, you're upside down. It's a unique perspective on reality. I mean, Star Fox was the pinnacle of just how little they really looked into, like, is a gamepad actually going to be an awesome game changer for video games because it was just terrible well allegedly uh, people are not happy with this i had gone over to to mike's house a few times and seen that uh i was playing with the wii u and i was playing some of the the mario games and it was just entirely unnecessary to have the pad and and this is done to death already but if they just made a console that had Good processing power and graphics compared to the rest of the systems in play, which is something they will never do. They could make high-quality games without a gimmick that people would want to play because I guess you don't really play the the Zelda games because you care about the graphics or the Mario Mario games because you care about the graphics. But they would have the ability to go that route. Mm. And they always stifle themselves yeah, by, I don't think they're going that route with it. The they're DNX. not going to, yeah. I think, so Nintendo's biggest product of all time was the Wii. 
And I think that they're going to try to capture the magic of the Wii. Well, that's literally what they tried to do with the Wii U. And it didn't right, work. But the Wii U was out. just like a silly choice. I People think. could have easily I said the that the Wii U is Wii... a much more, like, like, in terms of hardware, I think the Wii U is just a far better for its time. You know, obviously, you know, we have HD on one and not on the other. I think that the Wii U is a much better developed system than the Wii is. Absolutely. I don't the understand. The Wii was literally trash yeah. that just came and with I, and, the and, best-selling game and what was, of, like, all time. But it was just nuts that, like, so many sold. Like, why? Like, because it was just, uh, it was hot. It was so incredibly hot. Because you know, it was Everyone could play it. Everyone could play I Wii I played Sports. Wii Bowling with my dad and mom so many my times. My dad loves Wii Sports. He says, like, this is awesome. Like, he still will try and hook it up sometimes, you know? Like, it's, we literally... A couple months ago, played Wii Sports on the TV. I was like, Dad, I have the Wii U. We could look at do this in HD. He's just like, I ah, the Wii. This is yeah. the Wii Sports it's just thing. So hot. Yeah, that was it. You know, just so hot right now. These mics. Yeah, these so, mics are so, so hot. hot. Turns out it was not a gimbal in riffraff. I apologize. It is a, I guess, a pivoting axis. <laughs> I had to Wikipedia. I just it. Inve- invented gimbal. No, no, gimbals can are you, a real thing. You, I actually didn't no, do it right. Can you find the hat that's on the ground? It's probably it, it belongs to the mics. Ryan, Ken Levine is one of my favorite developers of all time. Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, fantastic games. What right. is he up to right now? Right. So he's working on a narrative-driven game. With some really new tech, really awesome tech. Also, another guy who's on this project, the guy who did Her Story. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Is working on this project. They've hired him. This company, Interlude, is this like VC-backed startup that uh, basically is creating the tech to deliver a, a completely new way to tell a story. So kind of think of a full, completely new has never fully, been done before hold on to that thought ryan keep going like a fully live action cutscene where you interject with with commands and that tech is being included in this game that's based on the twilight zone mm-hmm. so it's going to be a twilight zone movie game experience with some of the best designers in the industry so it's a video game wherein you play the game and then you will eventually make choices in it which will affect a television show and there will be repercussions. Sounds in the like show. Quantum Break. Sounds like a game that sounds like Quantum Break. Me. Sounds I, very similar to Quantum Break. Sounds like no, exactly I think the whole Quantum Break. No, zone. Joe, Joe, I think you're. Sounds I like Twilight Break. The whole game is a show. There's no like game part that you play. The whole right. thing is watching a media experience. So that's where and I have you an can issue. Kind of interject with commands throughout. So that's what they described it more, less like a game and more like a choose-your-own-adventure show. Yeah. Just now that that comes up to that brings up a an argument that I've made several times on this podcast and in my writing that interactivity is does not equate to game just because you are interacting with this entertainment source or what have you. That does not mean that it is a game. Ryan is now calling a TV show a game because you are 
doing this choose your own adventure yeah, mechanic but... thing. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a digital experience. I'm, I'm like kind yeah. of done with this like argument. Is it a game? Like, well, it, you just called it a game. It is certainly a game in that you interact with it. That's my. Then that's not. Well, no, games are what games game. are about making choices and having it affect uh, the storyline or uh, the environment around you. So, I think that you're pigeonholing what it means to be a game through, I guess, a limited video gamer. Sort of perspective. So I think there are plenty of board games that play out in a very linear fashion that I would consider games, yet, you know, really all you're doing is yes or no at various points. But is a choose your own adventure book a game? Right, Maybe. that's my point. Is it a game? Maybe I, it is. It's I would fun. argue it's not a game. That's so they're defining it as a goddamn original... book. What the hell are you trying to argue? <laughs> but they're defining it, it as book an original interactive project. <laughs> So, so uh, choose your own adventure book brought it's to life, brought to life, <laughs> book in it. brought to life in a interactive video setting would it's be a video. It's a video, but it's not a game. No, making choices isn't no. a game. No, you're buying a DVD where you're gonna watch a movie that you control the plot. Which yeah, is... controlling the plot—that's the game aspect. No, no, no. You need it's about least, interactivity. You need a one-to-one control over a. Uh, particular character, not a cast of characters. I don't know if and that plot. would be. I would so a dating simulator uh, is a dating simulator a yeah, game you have or is it a the main character? Yeah, but a lot of times you're just saying uh, there, there's Harvest Moon. Yeah, what about All Telltale? The... What about the Telltale series? Telltale series is definitely a game. You control because there the are character. Fail states, you, you control the character. You move you out make... of the car in the beginning. You there grab are fail the shotgun, states and choose your own adventure it. books. Certainly, that is a. Fucking okay. book! What but do you say? There are fail states book. and choose your own adventure. Anything? Maybe a book. Maybe the choose your own book adventure. Maybe could be considered a game in my opinion. Because one of the main criterion of a game for me is like <laughs> Mike is raging. It's fail states. It's a, it's a fail state in that you can lose the game. Let me that tell you, is there's a goddamn important. fail state in this room right now. <laughs> the fundamental understanding of the game. <laughs> no, I, I think that as long as you can interact and change the outcome. Then it's considered a game, well, I have some and I words. think that plenty of text-based. That is one of the main. I'm trying to keep this criteria. podcast safe for work right now. Were a lot of the early '90s and and late '80s text <laughs> choose your own adventure like text games? Do you consider those just? Oh, it wasn't really a game because it was yeah, just, no, uh, just words over this. on no, the screen. No, no, no. Here's the thing: there were a couple of examples, say Three Fourths Home or Emily Is Away. Those I didn't consider games because the ending was set for you no matter what you chose. Your your choices and in dialogue options and what have you. So you're saying if there was a different no ending impact. on Emily of Zoey, like that and there would be is a no game? fail state and there is no changing the game. So it's not a game in my opinion. Whereas Zork or let me ask uh, you something then. Or the island. Something. Yeah, the, uh, the island one. Well, the island one. Anyway, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like Zork, Escape from Treasure Island. Yes, exactly. Definitely not that. Fantastic it, game. <laughs> fantastic PlayStation game. Four. Go download it. No. So things like Zork, like uh, text-based adventure games. Those games had a, a point system, had a way of winning, and had a way of losing, and like you, you had competition with the game, finding ways to solve puzzles within the game. That to me makes it a game. Whereas just a narrative experience that is telling you a set story that is made for you and has no way of failing it, has no way of... Life is strange. Perfect example of of this sort of things. Uh, And Life is Strange plays out in many ways 
like uh, it's it's an interactive cinema. It's interactive Cinemax. Uh, but you have fail states, like you. No, can no, die. I'm saying you, you have fail states. That I'm saying that that isn't. A, if you would you consider Life game. is Strange a game? Is Life is Strange a game? Yeah, Mike. So how is that? How is this? Uh, what Ryan's describing of uh, this new game? How is that not? A because game? you control the t- character and you investigate things with the character. What you're going to be watching in this is a video, and you you're going to have like a little dialogue wheel and say, "What does Cindy say here?" and mean. Neutral. Yeah, I would also say that there's simulator. very. Uh, you're controlling a character in a dating simulator. A lot of these dating simulators are literally you talking to various people. Stop. stop. Let me. I need to make this point. In these, these I, games. I need to make this point okay. before you go off on another tangent. Yes. If you had a Mario game where you couldn't die, there was no uh, fail state. Is that a game? Can you lose? In some way? No, because you fall then down no. a pit, you fly back up. You get hit by a turtle, you just But you have flash. to retry. But you have to retry what you would No, you literally stay exactly... Sure, why not? Why not? Why then not make yes, it? it's a game because you have to retry. You had failed All right, let's way. let's say you just blink Achieving. rapidly and then you come back We're to really What the fuck? We're really off the rails here. <laughs> so my, my point with just the whole thing, uh, I would say for this, you don't really have agency. Ryan, you had once said that you... It requires agency in order to be a game. And this, you don't really have agency. You Only agency you have is like, which episode am I going to see? These are pre-made episodes. How long is this, this by show. the way? The show or this? This thing that's coming out. Not sure. I think it's going to be a whole series. Like Notice a- how I said thing and not game. Because <laughs> we have no idea what it is now. I think it's okay to not call it a game. I think they're not calling it. I think they're calling it an interactive media. Yeah. See, that, there you go. Carter's that's it. it that's it. They, interactive movie. Not a game. Right. Okay. The next Call of Duty game will be a remake, and also it's going to be, what is it? I had heard different things. I saw on the dock that it's going to be a remake. I saw on IGN that it's going to be a sci-fi, another sci-fi shooter. So what is this going to be a remake Right, of? I first heard that it was going to be a fully futuristic, even further mm-hmm. future than what we have now. So last year, there was a leaker who came out and said that the next game is going to be fully set in space. Then, uh, more recently, we've gotten a poster. I don't particularly remember the name of it. Um, it's like Call of Duty it, Legacy or something like that. What, what is the title? This one is yeah. the Leg- Infinite Warfare's Legacy yeah, yeah. Edition. Call- it's Call of Duty Infinite Warfare Infinite was the leaked type title. And then there's Legacy Edition at Target Resale. So, so it's just one of the watching, legendary edition whatever. Watching a few pros last night um, that I actually – accidentally stumbled upon um they had no intention of actually watching their stream um they all say that the next game that's coming out is going to be a remake and they're all super excited because the last three or four call of duty games have 
all reach the same um, point from the community, both pro and casual alike, which are they're pumping out the same game over and over again. Like originally it was just something that people were just saying, oh, like that's Call of Duty games. But like now it has become truth. I, th- I where... think there's, there's, there's some confusion here because the article that was posted here is saying mm-hmm. that in the Legacy Edition mm-hmm. comes bundled with it a remastered version of Modern Warfare 1, Call of Duty 4. So right. that sounds like it's not a remake. Like there's Infinite Warfare. Right. And is... then there's Call of Duty mm-hmm. 4 bundled in right. as like so, an so... alt. Uh, yeah, and people are saying that this, 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 there's backlash that the community has upstruck from over these last three or four games. Because even the pro scene, you know, you, you release a game, and there's like a certain competitiveness to it. So you expect there to be a competition, mm. and all of the pros turned around and said like Ghosts was terrible. Whatever the other title was, I'm not a Call of Duty guy. Ghosts, Advanced War. Yeah, they they reverted to a prior game, and. What I've always heard from people in the Counter-Strike community... Like Super Smash Bros, where, you know, Brawl was so mm-hmm. terrible that people reverted back Brawl, to... Brawl, so much like, better. Slipping was an issue, but... People in the Counter-Strike be fixed. Uh, uh, scene have always talked about Call of Duty 4 Pro Mod, which was a modification from a third party end user or whatever, and it was basically a way for a competitive scene to go along. And they never once... Uh, in- Infinity Ward, Activision, whatever, they never once came out with a follow-up to that pro mod. You'd think with such like a vastly popular thing, they would put that into their games, but they just turned out the same bullshit over and over. Wait. So this game came out, and the pros went back to the prior iteration. Not back to pro mod, but to the prior game that came out the year right, before. Yeah, yeah. So now with this announcement that there's going to be this remastered Call of Duty, people are freaking out. Oh, okay. Because so maybe this is games. that response. Like maybe they're saying, yeah. we need an eSport. The new games that we come out are massively popular, but they're not hitting, like we're not having large tournaments for them. We're going to remaster the original Call of Duty and make it into more of a sport. Yeah. So they're going to ship that along with the game and they'll have large tournaments for this like remastered version of 4. I mean, th- there was a lot of like shit talking on this stream. They were like, yo, like a 1v1 you and shipment. Like I haven't heard that. In so long, Shipman was like the craziest map in the Shipman original. Shipman was culture. sweet. Yeah, see, oh. like that that reaction is is like what everyone has when you hear right, about right. this particular map. What's also interesting is like that game is so far not antiquated, but just is so far back from where Call of Duty and and first person shooters in general have evolved to at this point. Like now, verticality is such a big thing. You know, like platforming and like jetpacks and whatever. The, all these. Call of Duty games have to apparently exist in the future because mm-hmm. of all the crazy abilities that now people expect. So I guess you don't expect. You don't them. expect that. I mean, at least a lot of people don't expect that. You have Counter Strike, uh, Counter Strike Go, which is I love Source mm-hmm. Go even better. Uh, but uh, you have a game that has been set that they just basically reskinned uh, Source and added a few new uh, physics stuff massively popular and did not really advance the game it's still exactly the same game in a lot of respects so i absolutely don't think that verticality is necessary to have a popular shooter and i think that uh they probably recognize that and that's why they would go back to uh to four which was which was great huge and it was it was a game that i enjoyed playing it was the last call of duty that i played Mm. i played with my friends shipment all day uh backlot all these 
excellent maps and it was simple it was uh you the controllers haven't really advanced to the point where the controls have changed so there's no reason that you have to add an additional element for it to be fresh i mean i'm a big fan of the new elements that a lot of these games have made like i was a fan of titanfall it wasn't amazing but also i'm not a pro shooter gamer like i just play these casually so obviously i'm not someone who would know but also i'm playing titanfall i like that i like I like the most recent uh, Halo game that came out that had a lot more uh, traversal abilities and it was very much like a more exciting, more uh, high-octane experience than some of those games. However, I obviously, shooter, like real shooter aficionados and pros will always contend, from what I can tell, that Counter-Strike is just the best shooter game of all time, if not the best game of all time. So, so I, I can see where simplicity is uh, more something that... Well, that you don't even have value. to be... It's not even necessarily about simplicity. Like, And when you're talking about verticality, Tribes and all the various Tribes games that came out, you had a jetpack. It was... Uh, it was completely vertical. You had vehicles, you had all that nonsense, and it was a great game. And it's not like this is a new uh, formula that uh, FPSs have figured out that, oh, you need to have be able to climb on walls and have ju- jump, uh, jump everywhere. Like, uh, Ryan and I at PAX, we played in a, uh, in a Quake, uh, no, excuse me, an Unreal, Unreal Tournament. tournament. An Unreal Tournament. For uh, 2004, and it truly was unreal. Uh, Ryan and I lost negative one to 50 to uh, a person. We played a pro team. We really, played a, really fucked up. One of them was literally wearing a uh, unreal tournament it 2004 unreal. Uh, shirt. Yeah. They were very, very good. And that game's all about super fast-paced, jumping all around, uh, rocket boosting yourself, all that nonsense. So, so it's like you can go quicker. You can go, uh, I guess, smoother, which is what I would say uh, CSGO is. And I don't necessarily think that you have to be pigeonholed in going any direction. I I don't think there's a necessary uh, arc to FPSs that is unique. I think that's something they put on themselves. They felt like they were locked into this new thing where we have to now say this uh, thirst for fucking crazy jetpacks and laser guns and things like that. I I think they just put it on themselves needlessly. Developers, Counter-Strike Global Offensive needs a laser gun <laughs> i mean that would be phenomenal also needs to be able to throw your knives if you can't do that in the next version i'm out but here's the thing this these games sell incredibly well but there hasn't really been an esports scene for them and i think that's what this story is really about it could be like an esport add-on to the next game where the the big streamers start playing it like mike you saying mm-hmm. they're gonna love it and they could play it like professionally for money whereas the new call of duty games aren't really designed from that lens like CSGO entirely designed to be an eSport. Yeah, and it would be awesome well, if I they mean, made that's what an the... eSport Modern Warfare 4. That would be incredible. Right, that would make sense, right? That's literally what Counter-Strike did. They were like, okay, this is an eSport, so let's make an eSport game. game. Let's have guys. it super yeah. easy to lobby with uh, with other with your friends and stuff. But, like, I think the lobby system of, of CSGO, regardless of how terrible it was when it first came out, uh, with all the issues with connecting and and all that, like at this point, it's pretty sweet, right? Would you say that, Ryan? It's like it's easy to just hop into a competitive match, generally find people yeah. that you're of a similar uh, skill set to. The additional third party uh, things like ESEA and uh, Face It 
incredibly intuitive and easy to use. So you can just have your friends be a team. And I don't necessarily think that uh, it's, I think it might be just a failing of consoles in general that it's more difficult to have that sort of... uh... Well, also like first-person shooters on PC is just, besides just PC being, you know, most optimal for any game whatsoever, is also, you know, mouse and keyboard is just the way to play first-person shooters. So there's always that. Right. I actually listened to an interview with the developer of Lawbreakers, the main developer. (coughs) Yeah. And he was saying that game is just fully tuned to pc and yeah. for uh, for competition uh-huh. and it made me very excited about the game actually do you know anything about this game no like it was just it had a booth and you insisted that we go we never went let me tell you a little bit about the game very simple the title's called lawbreakers the only rule, heard that the only rule you break the only law you break oh. is that in certain segments of the map no gravity breaks the law of gravity oh, magic. so it's really cool where you're walking around this game and then you walk into a certain segment and it gets completely zero gravity didn't that uh what I feel was like the... so many games have no, done what that. Was I know the, you were gonna say this one game, the... but there's a million games. Yeah, there's a million. No, no, the, the one that came out a, a few years ago that's literally like you're you're fall you're jumping on asteroids and stuff. Like uh, it, it was it was an FPS, it was a sort of indie developer. Uh, I'm blanking on the name now, but but regardless, how is that I don't Called think it's Halo unique. Reach came out yeah, no, not, not Halo Reach. Not <laughs> it's Halo not Reach. that it's unique. I mean, there's a lot of teams doing these like arena-based shooters that are coming out this year, but this is a, a huge developer. How about Overwatch? Overwatch that looks fantastic. How developer about Overwatch? Continuously throughout Overwatch as their competition. I mean, that's the, that's the big competition. Because Overwatch is, I mean, I think that it just looks really good. Like, it, looks, it looks really good. <laughs> it looks great. really good. It looks like a game that I would play. I'm like, not comfortable with that game. <laughs> Too many butts. Too many butts. Too many butts have that problem too. Egregious amount of butts. One last thing before we wrap up. Dark Souls 3 director Hidetaka Miyazaki has confirmed that From Software is already working on a new IP while reiterating that the studio does not want to return to its most famous series saying Dark Souls is over. So the main director of Dark Souls 3... And Dark Souls 1, not sure if it was on Dark Souls 2, I think that was one of the main things. And Demon Souls, and of course Bloodborne, is now finally saying we are wrapping up Dark Souls as a franchise. Obviously, the publishers who own the IP for Dark Souls will choose and decide whether or not another Dark Souls game is made. Also, he said in his interview that if many years have gone by and some of my subordinates are saying oh, we really, really want to get back into Dark Souls, they'll consider it. But as of right now, they're planning on putting a cap on the Souls games, including spinoffs of Souls games like Bloodborne. Yeah, I mean, this is phenomenal news. I'm so happy about this. I, I, I actually, it just annoys me when people are always clamoring for the next game from a series. Mm-hmm. You want, I mean, there's I, there's gonna, uh-huh. they're going to be iterative updates to Dark Souls for the next 50 years if they keep making them. I mean, they clearly don't have, like, hundreds of new incredible ideas for this game they've made massive games Mm -hmm. across a decade now right and i want to see these people work on something new i absolutely agree that being said dark souls 3 not a game i will ever play after watching multiple well that's the thing but ryan has not played any of the souls game once played demon souls and dark souls but really never actually invested any time in it Watch the game, which of course means absolutely nothing. Means everything. Mean nothing. I, uh... Certainly does not mean nothing. I, 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 I agree. But honestly, like I only just starting to play Dark Souls now. We're a bunch of Dark Souls uh, virgins or noobs. If any of us are playing them, I don't know if you've played. You, because Kerner played them. Kerner's played Dark Souls. Oh, Kerner, 
I'm not going to talk anymore. You you discuss your feelings. No, I'm bluffing. Yeah. I'm bluffing. <laughs> I, why the hell would I play so, Dark Souls? It's a hard game. Why? It's a hard <laughs> game. Right. When I was a kid, Counter-Strike, I hear, is so easy. Counter-Strike is so easy. So anyway, well, right, right. I'm excited right. about this also because uh, the director said that gave hints at him retur- them returning to an IP that they once developed long ago and left to <laughs> rot, Armored Core. Ah, that oh, would be awesome. Armored damn. Core, which is the Armored Core. I played it on the Sony PlayStation PS2. X. I never played. I didn't know if it was on anything else. Armored Core Two, I or Armored Core or Armored Core Two, I had played. Fantastic mech ba- mech suit battling game, and plot I, not relevant. What plot not relevant? Plot totally not relevant. Played multiplayer against my friends one on one. I for constant was one of those friends. Hours. I came over and played this game as a kid. Really blew my mind. You could fly up to the top of a building, land on it, yeah, jump packs, down. One of the early laser games you swords, could do that. shooting guns at other mech suits. It's fantastic, and uh, it's they did eventually uh, fatigue on the franchise. They released two, then three. I think they went on like a spinoff or even four. Maybe I'm four, just making for answer. Four what? There was four. And yeah, then there was like an expansion version called Four Answer. Terrible. So I heard it, it got. It, it got run into the ground essentially. Then they went off and probably did something before Demon Souls. I don't actually know, but they got to Demon Souls. I never Dark realized Souls. that was the same group. Yeah, from Soulfair. I literally said the same thing to Ian during one of these podcasts. I was like, I was playing Bloodborne. And I was like, you know right. what? These guys made Armored Core, and I just realized just randomly. Man, but- <laughs> my childhood bereft of Armored Core apparently, and rethinking all of my life choices. Man, I, I. I Totally agree with Ryan, though, on this sentiment. I think that is far better an idea and far more artistic idea yeah. to just drop an IP when you are ahead, when you know you've done a great, great job developing a, an excellent and franchise. certainly a way to piss off so many people that Absolutely. just want more Halo Dark Souls. 3. They just want more Dark Halo 3. Last Halo that ever should have come out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 4 yes. was bad. Reach was bad. 4, was, 4 had a great campaign. Terrible well, good campaign, terrible multiplayer. Halo Five, the absolute the story reverse. was done in three. You didn't need Absolutely. to go further. I agree. We I finished agree. the fight. We finished we the finished fight. Finished the fight. <laughs> it's finished. Unreal. Fight was finished. No reason to go far further. Unreal. When I was Halo a kid, hold on, hold on. When I was a kid, I would refuse to read book series if I knew they were going to end. I would exclusively oh. read open-ended not finish series that sounds that terrible. i could imagine just always continuing i mean you so also game of thrones, you could just watch you could read right. game of thrones forever exactly but i learned <laughs> growing up that i want i it's much more fulfilling to to read something with a great ending so game of thrones joke was why i'm assuming it's not like it'll continue forever but it certainly will not end it will never end <laughs> it will <laughs> never certainly end. never end <laughs> <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening in this is of course your games cast for all multi-platform news discussion and otherwise worthless banter screen watchers i'm joe declara that's david kerner that's michael strothman ryan still here a great guy <laughs> still here please follow us by visiting screenwatchers.net also follow our facebook page and you may of course we'll leave a link in the description for uh, well, that's fucking retarded. I was going to say, leave a link in the description for our podcast. <laughs> for our podcast, <laughs> which you're listening to right now. Why don't you wrap up this? 
again. Why don't you start over? Yeah, start we are actually bring up po- the website. We're going to post tell them the that direct there's gonna be videos file link to the podcast. Yeah, li- in, in the, the show notes. In the podcast, we're going to say it out right now. Please visit, please visit ScreenWatchers.net to see all of our episodes of the ScreenWatchers podcast, where we'll be posting all of our show notes and other things. Uh, and we got a blog launching soon, right? Yeah, I heard, I heard, blog, heard there's some video at PAX. Bo- blog officially launching this week. I have some interviews uh, with a few developers that I spoke to at PAX. Uh, some fantastic stuff. We talked about a lot of the games today. Uh, also, please, of course, leave a review on our iTunes podcast. Ryan, why must they leave a review? Yeah, we need to get 120 stars. 120 stars. I That's thought it was because for. we want to get higher up in the charts. No, we don't care about that. I mean, we do care about that. Yeah, okay. So, so please leave a review. So leave a star on our review. Don't talk about the podcast in your review. Talk about whatever you want. I feel like that's like not but, helpful to me because I read the reviews. No, no one I cares what feedback. they say. We don't no care one cares what they, what they say. say. Well, that's I take feedback. That, that would you be can good. email us at feedback at screenwatchers.net. <laughs> right? <laughs> screenwatchers, no, work. screenwatchers gamescast at gmail. 120 stars, then the cannon opens and we can launch on top of our studio. God knows what is up there. Thank you very much. We love you. Goodbye.